0: well yeah that's millennials music on blockchain and korea i love it (laughs) there you go oh and and the and the chickens as well you can't forget that (laughs) chickens on the blockchain the cock chain (laughs) can i get away with saying that (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome to the Encrypted podcast. Encrypted is the Middle East's first and largest podcast dedicated to blockchain and crypto assets. I'm your host, Ahmed Al bilaghi The intersection of music and tech promises a lot. And in this episode, we explore how blockchain will affect the music industry. We discuss how the record industry is not paying it forwards to the artists and creative teams involved in music production and how blockchain through Token and the creator app will enable a fair share of earnings. Before we start, I want to congratulate one of our sponsors, Jibril.com, on recently winning an award at the Fintech Abu Dhabi Conference. Here's what they had to say.
1: Hi, this is Talal Tabba, co-founder and COO of Jibril. I'm pleased to announce that Jibril won the 2019 Fintech Abu Dhabi Innovation Challenge. The award was given for Jibril.com, our new tokenized private equity financing platform, which connects startups and SMEs in the Middle East with institutional and individual investors from across the world. As an awardee, Jibril will represent Abu Dhabi at the Fintech Festival in Singapore this month. This awards includes not only a cash prize to fund the build-out of the platform, but also collaboration with a panel of experts who will help deploy Jibril.com's project in ADGM, the UAE, and beyond. Check out Jibril.com for additional information on this
0: exciting project. Again, many congrats to the Jibril.com team. Also, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the show and remember you can support us in any way possible. You can subscribe, rate and review the show, share in the podcast on you know, social media and any other way you feel like supporting. And now, on to the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Encrypted. Finally, we are back here in Area 2071 where the non-millennial Nick Watson is next to me. Hi Nick, how are you doing? Hi Ahmed, millennial. Well, what does a millennial you, mean?
1: Millennial? Yeah, I'm looking at it.
0: Oh okay. <laughs> well, anyways, for those of you who don't know, Nick is very much in love with millennials. I don't know why. Today we have a really interesting guest with us, Eric Mendelson from the United States of America. Uh, say hello. <laughs> I have the uh, <laughs> brain capacity
2: of a millennial. Um, <laughs> but I, was no, to- I like
1: this guy a lot now. But <laughs> oh, I, it's my favorite.
2: But I was told that I'm definitely not a millennial. So uh, really? I'm in this really <laughs> interesting, precarious position right now. Okay, who told you that you were not a millennial? <laughs> my co-founders who were okay. like, stop dressing like that, stop acting like that. You really? Know, act your age. You know, you're know, you the CEO of multiple companies. And I'm like, you got to laugh and, and to feel young. If you stop laughing, you're just going to... You've seen it, guy. Yeah. You know exactly. Half the time, man. Really? Well, yeah. you're, the, you're the guy who's wearing yeah. a, a you, at know, you a right suit. now now i the laughing. I literally debate people as to whether or not I'm a millennial or not, and they're like, "No, you're over the age limit." I'm like, "That doesn't matter. I feel like a millennial. <laughs> I self-identify as a millennial, and, and uh, it doesn't go over too well."
0: Well, I think you're a millennial, so appreciate that. no worries there. So, Eric, would you like to quickly introduce yourself, please? Sure, absolutely. Name is Eric Mendelson.
2: I am not a millennial. I am a music executive. I'm an executive music producer. I manage some artists, and I'm also the CEO of Creator App and Tune Token.
0: Awesome. Before we get into that, tell me your craziest hip-hop story. Oh, man.
2: there's There's been a lot. I mean, I, I've had guns pointed at me in New York City, in the middle of Times Square, but that, nah, that's. <laughs> I, I actually have like a heavy metal type of story, a okay. rock story. So I used to work for Electra Records, Metallica. Buster Rhymes, Fabulous, were signed to that label. And my responsibility Mm -hmm. for them was to handle the marketing and promotion activities of these artists when they were in the New York market, which is Mm -hmm. the biggest market um, in America for music or anything. And basically, I I was covering a rock show, and I'm a a hip-hop dude, but I was covering a rock show for this band called Pantera, which is a very big rock band. I didn't know... I mean, I knew who they were, but I don't know any of their music. And I was covering their show at the OzFest, which is like the biggest heavy metal festival at that time in America. This is many, many years ago. What I also didn't know and I learned later is that the bands before their shows, the heavy metal bands, they have their own ritual that they do, their own. And it's like a private ritual. Now, I didn't know this. So I had a responsibility to get the lead singer named Phil Salmo to do a radio interview. So I went to the touring truck. And I said to the touring manager at the time, Hey, my name is Eric. I'm from Electra. You know, I have to bring Phil to do an interview. And he just like walked on the tour bus and shut the door. Didn't really say much to me. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like knocking on the tour bus, tour manager comes out and goes, how can I help you? And I said, I'm trying to get Phil. He was like, well, they're in the middle of doing some stuff. You know, he'll be out in a second. So I thought he was on the tour bus. So I was like, all right, I'll wait. at the tour bus. And I look to my left and I, I see like a tent and I'm like, Maybe Phil's in the tent. So I'm like, let me just go over to the tent and get Phil. So I walk into the tent. Am I allowed to curse on this show? (laughs) We can
1: bleep it, but I'm okay with it. (laughs) All right,
2: I'll do the. So I walk into the tent and this dude turns around. He looks at me and goes, who the F are you? And I was like, Phil? Phil? He was like, Yeah. I was like, I'm Eric from Electra. He was like, get the F out of here. The dude was like sacrificing three chickens. It was like <laughs> his ritual before the show. It was the craziest <laughs> shit in my life. And I was so scared because I was like 20 something years old. This like heavy metal band. It was like my first rock show I was covering. The tour manager comes off the bus. He's like, what the F were you doing in his tent? I was like, first of all, I didn't know it was his tent. I was just doing my job. He's like, I told you we were doing these rituals. I'm like, I didn't know he was sacrificing chicken. It was just the weirdest <laughs> and that's just like one of hundreds of Stories, but that one I for some reason I remember. So did he go. eat them? Huh? I, I have no idea. What he I don't. I don't even want to know what he did with them. I didn't really get him to do the interview after that. I kind of just stayed by myself for the for the whole. Did show. he cut
0: from the neck? And did he say a prayer by I no Sounds is like you know
1: what you're talking about, <laughs> <minute>. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, maybe.
0: Did you teach him the ritual? <laughs>
2: This is crazy. Now, this, has, by the way, this has nothing to do with music technology oh, yeah. or blockchain, right?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, actually, well, music. But I'm not. sure we can find a way to connect it to blockchain.
2: Yeah, well, chickens on the blockchain. Yeah, you know, you maybe go. they source the chickens, and we can—I don't know—proof of providence. Yeah, yeah there oh, you Perfect. Go. There you go.
1: Great.
0: Cool. So, yeah, a couple of years ago, you started Creator App and Tune Token. Really interesting what you guys are doing by sort of blending both music and blockchain together. Yeah. Could you sort of go and go into that?
2: yeah so five or six years ago so i managed a musician by the name of mims in 2007 he had the number one record in the world called this is why i'm hot and so yeah, ma- manager artist by the name of Mims, number one record in the world in two thousand seven called This Is Why I'm Hot, generated eighteen to twenty million dollars. And when we got our royalty check, it didn't reflect on the amount of money we were supposed to get paid. The record label basically ripped us off. Mm-hmm. Inflated costs, inflated budgets, wasn't transparent and totally screwed us. Fast forward a few years or whatever, Mims Mims was doing some shows and artists, you know, amateur artists, aspiring artists from all over the world would come up to him and say, Hey, I want to get a verse from you. He'd say, Hey, that's twenty thousand dollars. And the Kid in the club be like, man, I got fifty bucks or five hundred dollars in my wallet. Well, Mim's like, Well, I'm not going in the studio for 500 dollars not worth my time. Or the producer of This Is Why I'm Hot, he's now my co-founder. His name is DJ Blackout. He's a Grammy Award-winning music producer. He would be in the club DJing and an artist would be like, Oh man, you produce XYZ record. Can I get a beat from you? Blackout would be like, Yeah, twenty, twenty thousand dollars. The guy would be like, Man, I have hundred, two hundred dollars in my wallet. Blackout would be like, well, you're not going to get a beat from me. So because of the trials and tribulations that MIMS went through and we went through on the royalty side of the music industry, and because of where we saw the evolution of music, MIMS said to me about five years ago, like, yo, we need to get into this technology space. And I'm a music executive. It's what I've done my whole life. And I was actually late on technology. Like I had the Blackberry when everyone was getting the iPhone. And. For me, I'm just like, let everyone else try out the technology first and I'll figure it out later. And um, there goes my non-millennial speak, right? If I was a millennial, I'd be (laughs) like, but I I like to take my time and, you know, think things through and millennials just go crazy. So I said, okay, well, I said, all right, so let's get into music technology, even though we don't know what the hell we're talking about. And started researching and things and and Mims came to me for this idea at the time. we, We were calling it Recogram. It's now known as Creator App. And he was like, let's. Build a mobile recording studio in your pocket on your phone so that these artists and these producers who are trying to get stuff from Blackout and myself can do it on the mobile device in a cost effective, affordable, and convenient, convenient manner. Now I'm talking like a you know a nerdy CEO business dog. And that he didn't say it like that. He's like, Yo, we gotta do this and do that. I was like, all right, I'll figure it out. So I, I researched the market and I realized that there was a need because he comes to me. every day he would call me with an idea. And as his business partner, manager, and friend, it was my idea to say those ideas suck. You know, the power of saying, no, like those aren't going to work. I don't think, but I still would listen and evaluate every idea. And when he came to me for the idea with creator app, I said, you know what? That may actually work. This is many years ago now. And I started researching the market and realizing that there were some several apps in our space, a lot of karaoke, lip syncing apps, but no, none that were doing original music creation, none that had like a producer marketplace that allowed artists and producers to collaborate on their phone. And I said, let's build this thing. So we self-funded it ourselves, quite frankly, not to get personal. My father unfortunately passed away. Some of the money that I got from, from him passing away from his estate Um, which not a rich man, but he gave me a good life. I invested into this, into this application, this technology product, which as you know, startups have a very high failure ratio, very low success ratio. So I was taking a gamble with essentially the inheritance I got from my father to build this idea that MIMS had that I thought was good for the market without even knowing anything about technology. So we were hiring different developers and whatnot. I I don't want to over talk, but bottom line is, is that, you know, in 2017, we won the TechCrunch Disrupt Cup in New York City, which is the most coveted startup award in my opinion, in the planet, certainly in in uh, in America, it's the hardest award to win for a startup, and we won that. And by doing that, we got recognition in the technology space because we already had recognition and relationships in the music space. So the hybrid of all this was coming was coming into favor. We got Will I Am as one of our advisors, one of the biggest artists, producers, and philanthropists, in my opinion. We got Lightspeed Venture Partners to lead our seed round, which is a globally recognized top five VC who led the round in Snapchat, Ripple, MuleSoft, hundreds of other companies companies the honest company I can go on and on about they did like three billion dollars in exits last year which was pretty sick New World Angels the largest angel group in Florida invested into us and Timberland producer Timberland his family his wife invested into us as well Uh, we also have support from the record labels and the publishers in America and here we are is this little startup winning a bunch of awards getting these accolades And then, you know, this was like in 2000, mid May of 2017, when we won TechCrunch. And obviously, that was like the ICO boom was just starting and blockchain was starting to get on people's radars. And I started getting calls from various record labels and friends of mine saying, hey, you should look into blockchain, not ICOs, not crypto, just look into blockchain. And to me, it was Chinese at the time. I didn't understand it. And, and I had a little bit of it, Bitcoin, but I didn't spend the time. Like I said, I wasn't that much of a technology guy to really research the ins and outs of it. But then during the process of, I would say, about two weeks, I started getting calls from various people in my network, some in the music industry, some in technology, some family members, just various people suggesting that I look into this blockchain stuff. And a friend of mine in Dubai, who I have to give credit to, his name is Chris Fernandez. He owns a company called Block Gemini. He called up Blackout and said, have you guys considered doing an ICO? And I said, uh, and, Blackout, and he talked to Blackout, he was like, you know, you can raise like a few hundred million dollars overnight. So Blackout said, well, let me talk to Eric, he's the nerdy book guy. So Blackout calls and he goes, hey, we should do an ICO, we can raise a few hundred million overnight. And I was like, get the F. I was like, this is a scam. He's like, no, it's Chris telling us, who's a friend. So we trusted his opinion. And I'm like, man, that sounds like such a bunch of horse crap. Let me go look in th- Let me go look at this. Oh, and and we don't have to give up equity. So I was like, and I just went through the whole complexities of trying to raise around. It took us many years to do. We had to win a million awards just to get recognition. And I was like, man, if I can you know, do something to get, get money without giving equity, that sounds pretty cool. But because of the credibility we had from winning the award and the investors, I didn't want to just do an ICO just to do it and get money. It had to make sense for our business. Blockchain had to make sense. So I spent a day researching blockchain technology, immediately fell in love with what I felt it can do for the world, the changes it can make in various sectors of the planet. And then more importantly, I started looking at how blockchain can impact the music industry, which is my area of expertise. And then once I realized what it can do for the music industry, I said, well, this is how it can relate and help my business, Creator App." And this is what it can do. And I I started to put the pieces together. And then I went ahead and I asked additional experts and other people if this made sense. And they thought it made a lot of sense what we were doing. So in my humble opinion, I feel like we're one of the premier music blockchain companies in the world. We created our own native cryptocurrency called the tune token, which is a means of compensation and payment within our platform creator app. But it also stores the rights of the original songs that are created on our platform. And the most important thing that we are doing that our ecosystem does is that we're able for the first time ever to reward fans for their contributions to the network. So if a fan comes onto creator app and discovers the content that let's say the three of us here create and you share it on Facebook, we measure the engagement that your share gets uh, likes, views, et cetera, and you get to earn cryptocurrency which is Tune, for contributing to the growth of our network. And us as the creators, producers, artists, songwriters on the song, we get to earn Tune token as a royalty for that song creation. And to me, this is gonna be the most impactful technology revolution the music industry has ever seen. And I don't think that we'll see it for three to five years, but we are at the forefront of it and I wanna be early, not late. So, I know I talk a lot, I'll just let (laughs) you guys take it from there.
0: Well, at least we know now. (laughs) We do know (laughs) now, Um, millennials don't talk this much, right? No okay yeah sophisticated, Millenn- it sophisticated m- mature people talk millennials brain. want uh. other pe-
2: millennials want other people to talk for them they don't want to do any work they just want to sit there. please
1: dick and- millennials don't even read terms and conditions oh, of anything right? we-, we know that so sure. I, could I know someone i could send them a contract they're over 18 they years will sign leave. and they'll use a service and they'll even pay more than they should for the service it's amazing what millennials will do
2: and they and right Ahmed. They'll get like a <laughs> wrong charge in their credit card bill and they won't even dispute it. They won't even care. They'll oh no, stay. I know someone who will
0: dispute oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. He actually should be charged that much.
1: He just thinks it should be free. Yeah, to, right? do, do you wanna, oh, do you wanna, sure, do
0: you wanna sure. ask the questions and I can just take yeah, the zoom? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: no problem, no problem. <laughs> so so can you tell us about the the next six to twelve months for Toon and even the Creator app? Because obviously there's two yes. application processes for this technology
2: yeah let me clear up um, so creator app is a delaware c corporation in america tune token is based in the cayman islands our holding company is based in panama so they are two separate entities and tune token is not exclusive or uh, to to creator app we hope that other music applications or other applications out there will utilize our smart contracts that we're developing and which are already developed as well as integrate our Toon token as a means of compensation for other applications that's how we grow the network with that being said i can't say who but we have two huge partnerships corporate partnerships not mou but real partnerships that we will be announcing very soon in the near future with two of the biggest companies in korea that i'm really excited about and i've been spending a lot of time in korea have business partners there and that's really in my opinion the mecca of where blockchain and cryptocurrency is thriving right now in terms of adoption and innovation is is korea Mm -hmm. unfortunately i wish it was america but it's just not that that's my opinion so certainly announcing partnerships or announcing those partnerships we have additional partnerships in music you know we're we're doing partnerships with blockchain and also partnerships with with music because it's important that we users on our platform and i feel like 90 percent of the projects at least last year all they cared about is what's their token price on the exchange and how what's it trading at but they're not building a product and they have no users and they have some don't really have a use case and we want to be the opposite of that we we don't really care what our token price is it's not something that we look up look at every morning even though we are on bit global in korea it's, and we will be on other exchanges in the near future, but that's not our driving motivation. Our driving motivation is to reinvent the music industry the way that we believe it should be reinvented.
0: Okay, so to touch on that point, so I'm like looking at things online and it says apparently for every $1,000 in music sold, the average contracted recording artist makes about $23.40. It's actually so, less than that.
2: Oh, wait, you said 1000 it should be about, wait, how much did you say?
0: So for every $1,000. Yeah, sold how much does the actual well, so artist make the, so
2: there's about 43 billion dollars yeah. um of revenue that's generated uh this is obviously an estimate but it's yeah. an estimate that everyone uses about 43 billion dollars every year that's generated from music not necessarily the sale of music but we're talking about con- well sale of music concerts everything Musicians only see 12% of that. In, in America, the football players, the real football players, not the soccer players, oh, God. Um, and the NBA basketball players earn anywhere from 49 to 51% of the revenues that are generated from the NFL or gotcha. the NBA. So they treat their players with respect. But for some reason, the favorite, the, our favorite artists and producers that we all love that creates this amazing music, they're only seeing 12%. That to me is is not so politically
0: correct, not fair. The idea behind the Creator app or Tune to, and Tune Token is the fact that there will be more of that. So that twelve percent will increase to what fifty percent, seventy percent. We hope ninety, like way more than that. Okay.
2: Um, Again, Creator App serves the f- is a tool for amateur artists to awaken their inner musician. You know, there's kids in, in, in India, I use that as an example, but there's other countries I can name, that don't have access to recording studios, they can't afford to get into a recording studio, and a, a 14-year-old or a millennial, they walk into a studio and it scares them. They don't know how to use Pro Tools, they don't know how to use these, even how to set up this mic that we have here. But they know how to create content on their phone, and they love doing it. So that's what Creator App solves. We, wanna, we don't want it to be the top 1% of 1%. Who are successful in the music industry if you have the ability or if you want to pursue a career in music we want our platform to be the platform that you come to to hopefully get discovered there's a billion people using TikTok right now right yeah doing karaoke and lip-syncing music crazy fantastic but how many justin bieber cover songs can we hear eventually there's a certain amount of those kids who are doing these cover songs or these lip-syncing songs on these platforms that actually want to pursue a career in music and we want to be the platform that they come to with with tune token we're incentivizing the community, specifically music fans, for coming on our platform and sharing the content. Data is obviously extremely important, extremely valuable. I think that the mo- most of the world doesn't realize how valuable our data is and how much our data is worth. And we just give it away freely and sign contracts without reading them and user agreements, which is kind of screwed up. And and these services that, con- that control and take our data, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitter, I think that they provide amazing services and they give these services to us for free, but they're making, and they, and they have a high overhead, but they're making a lot of money off of our data. And we're not seeing any of that for helping to grow their platforms. And I believe, and, and when, when I take it a step further, their streaming platforms, if, if I'm on any one of these streaming platforms, and I share a song that I hear with any one of you guys, Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or, or Deezer, or whoever, they don't, they don't compensate me for sharing that content with you guys. But my share of that content helps bring more eyeballs to their streaming platform where they're making money. So we want to kind of break down those barriers and allow all of the participants in the music ecosystem to, to get compensated. And, and obviously, our our main goal was to increase the pot for musicians and for producers both high high level superstar artists as well as upcoming mm. but independent the, the, artists
0: the idea is that you you have to get adoption for this and so how how are you guys planning on getting people to to actually adopt what you're building which is tune token because i assume that's a, it's its own separate app as well no no or it's not it's, it's, it's
2: no the t- so the adoption actually has to start with Creator App because mm-hmm. Toon Token will be event- will eventually be integrated into Creator App so that when the transactions happen between the artists and the producers, that they're not transacting in fiat currency, that they're transacting in the Toon Token. Or if an advertiser or a brand wants to do a partnership with us, they're not paying us in US dollars or in Durhams. They are paying us in Toon in Token. That's a whole other adoption process. But the real adoption scale comes from getting users on Creator App. And we have an extremely robust marketing plan, which is transparent and can be read at ToonToken.io. That people can read to learn about several of the marketing strategies that we have. But because of our relationships within the music community and we're able to do contests with major label artists that will bring their fan bases to our platform. Obviously, when producers upload beats to our platform, these original beats to our platform, the producers act as evangelists for us and talk about hey, go to Creator App to hear my beats. We watermark our video content. So when the videos get shared, people know that the content was created on our platform. Obviously, there's your traditional buying of advertising to help get users on the platform. And then there's these big strategic partnerships that that I'm going to announce soon, which when you see what we're announcing, you'll understand the potential and why we decided to do those partnerships. For us, it's all about getting the users and the adoption of creator app, because that adoption will then lead mm-hmm. to the adoption of our blockchain product.
1: So on, on creator app, just give a summary of where blockchain comes into play. What, it, what is it used
2: for on the platform itself? Sure. So very simple for blockchain, it tracks the rights. So the three of us do a song on Creator App. I attach a smart contract to it so that I know that the three of us own the rights, we agree to it. It's put in the contract automatically. There's no lawyers, there's no middlemen. A traditional lawyer would cost maybe $1,000 and then the other side would have to buy, get their own lawyer to review the contract. So let's just say it costs $1,000 between two independent artists in India to do a song together legally. These kids don't have a $1,000 to spend on a lawyer. You can't expect a 14-year-old to go do that. So we give them the ability to register their song rights on blockchain in a legally binding, essentially a legally binding contract. There's disputes whether it's legally binding or not, but a legally binding rights agreement without them having to spend any money. So it's all about the smart contracts. And then once you know who owns the rights of the song, because we believe that future content creation and music creation is going to happen on the mobile device, we hope it's on creator app but it doesn't necessarily have to be on creator app. Once we have those songs and we're able to track them, it starts to break down that royalty problem and that transparent problem that I spoke earlier about. The, about Actually, I didn't mention it. There's $2.5 billion of uncollected royalty in the music business because people don't know who the, who the main issue is that the record labels and publishers and the DSPs, digital service providers, they don't know who owns the rights of the songs. So they're playing this music and the music is generating royalties. But When they go to pay it, they're like, wait a minute, does Eric, who, who owns the song? So when you have that, those rights in a smart contract, and when you're at the inception of where creation happens on the phone versus a recording studio, we are the recording studio. We know who does it from the inception. It's created on our platform. It's so much easier to attach a smart contract to it from the start of the creation versus going back and trying to put Michael Jackson's rights on blockchain, because there's so many different stakeholders that are involved. So that's the issue that blockchain solves, rights and royalty transparency issues for the music business.
1: Okay. And then do you have like data wallet or anything like that inside the app? Oh, what do you, forgive my yeah. ignorance. If I'm a user on the platform, I'm using yeah. the platform to do activities yeah. and I'm You're not going
0: to create a song. I want to hear a song, man. Yeah, I want to hear a song. <laughs> <too>. mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm a user on the platform. Yeah. I'm constantly engaging with the music. All that data is being tracked, it's yeah. going somewhere. Yes. Do I own it or does the marketplace own it?
2: So we haven't. I don't, want to say, I don't want to say that we haven't fully thought that through. We are going to be integrating user wallets for every user so that they can earn cryptocurrency for, for doing certain tasks and share, sharing of the content. The actual da- control of the data, I want to talk to my CTO about that and how we thought about that process. I would say that they don't necessarily have control of the data the way that we have our white paper structured now. But if you think after this interview, if you think that It makes more sense for us to do that or you can think of a structure for us that you think would make sense then i would certainly go back to my team and and discuss that i realize the importance of that there's a concept in blockchain that you have to be fully decentralized to be on blockchain or or to be considered a credible blockchain project but you're not fully decentralized if you're on apple and if you're on ios and android right and we know that the scale comes from being on ios and android so yes we're blockchain we have smart contracts but we're not completely Fully decentralized. I mean, we use AWS mm-hmm. for storage. We're not using FileShare or f- Filecoin right now or or storage for storage, although we may eventually hope we're able to use them. So again, w- when it comes to the whole data aspect, I don't know if being on being on iOS and Android, those platforms automatically have access to our to our data. So if the answer is does a user have full control over it, I would say no at this point.
0: So I want to ask then. So to go back to the royalty transparency and then people getting paid out, mm-hmm. right? People are paid out in Tune tokens, from what I understand. That's correct. Well, not yet, but eventually. But eventually. Okay. So, I mean, I guess the biggest problem is, is how do you get people to actually use sort of a blockchain token that they've never, like, they, they haven't, you know, experienced? I mean, not everyone's a millennial, so they won't, like, do all these things. But my point is, is that in order to obtain a token, it takes a very long time to actually process that just for an average end user. And then there's also a pricing issue. You know, one day a token is one cent, the, the next day it's 10 right. cents. Yeah. And so, I mean, how have you guys been thinking about that you know, issue? I mean, I, I'm an artist, I get you know, $10,000 of Tune tokens, the next day it's $2,000.
2: Right, you know, so M- MIMS and Blackout are... If we, if we force a token on people early without adoption happening, I guess, in other areas, they think, it's, they think obviously like how you're thinking, it's going to be a challenge to, it's going to be a challenge to get people to use, to use the token into and an and education process. But right now, a lot of these artists and certainly aren't making it that much money and certainly the fans are making nothing so regardless of whether it's 10,000 or drops down to 2,000 or 1,000 i think that a lot of independent artists are just happy to make some sort of get compensated i don't want to say make money cuz currency uh, cryptocurrency is not supposed to be considered
0: money i but, have an idea for you please so I'm glad you do so, I mean, instead of pricing it and it being traded, I don't know, I saw some models where it just centralize the damn thing where you're you're able to, in a way, kind of control the supply. But those tokens have some sort of price attached to it. What What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is maybe if you collect a certain amount of tokens, you buy them back from them. Right, for example, or you give them offers or vouchers and stuff like that so that they could redeem it within the app straight away.
2: Oh, okay. So you're talking about ways that they can use the token?
0: Yeah, well, so that we've thought through. Yeah, yeah. They, They use the token, but it doesn't... So because the thing is, is that if there's a price attached and then it's volatile, then it's just like how much will that particular artist or person go through? But if it's just like, oh, I could just redeem these loyalty points just for these services, and then you have these services paying you to be on your platform because you have all these people listening and so
2: I, okay so i now i have a better idea of what, yeah. of what so the price of the content like the beats on our platform right right now they're five dollars or less mm. even with our c- cryptocurrency integrated it's always going to be five dollars or less now tune may fluctuate every single day on the markets you know let's say tune is one dollar one day that means they have to give me five tune for one beat the next day, tune may be 50 cents. That means they now have to give me 10 tunes. So the tune goes up and down in terms of what they give us, but the real fixed price of the beat won't change. Um, I get that, but, but yeah. yeah. So so if an artist or a producer earns tune, or even a fan for that matter, it's on them to decide what they want to do with, with their tune. If If they hold tune for five days and tune goes down a bunch, that's kind of no one's fault but their own on the flip side they can also earn tune and potentially it can go up on the exchanges again no one's fault so it's really on the user and the producer and but even you want to you want to make
0: it easy for them because right. you no, no you're right you are you you're assuming that these people understand exchanges you're, you're right. you're, and you're, all of that so it's it's from right. a convenience point you make it easy for them to like sell it on the i don't know just no. ideas well, I, uh free ideas no, no no you're no you're at,
2: no first of all i i want yeah. all these ideas and, and for those that are listening this is like a brainstorming session we're yeah. doing live this is crazy do i yeah. get two tokens for this yeah do, do, also yes i get three tokens <laughs> did i just say yes? Uh, yes, yes
1: yeah you did say yes hey, sure.
0: it's recorded,
2: um, mate. that's funny i'm gonna stake you for two years um make sure you're on my good side Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm open to any type of, any type of suggestions. I do think that the music community is starting to understand about cryptocurrency. Yeah. Obviously, there's still a very small percentage of the population that really understands it. I mean, I I think that that's the potential that Libra has is to bring this adoption and this education to, you know, the, the average person about what blockchain can do. And once. That happens. I think it, the the floodgates are going to yeah. open up for tune token and other applications. So I'm actually pretty excited about the whole cool. Libra thing, even though I think it defies everything that blockchain kind of stands for. Well, maybe cross border payments, but I think from an education adoption standpoint, yeah, go ahead, Facebook, be the first rat to the cheese. Like, go yeah. for it. <laughs> like, go ahead and like help us all out for once.
1: Cool. Where in the in the global space you mentioned, career is sort of the real oh, yeah. opportunistic space. Yep. Explain to everybody why. Uh you, oh, know, I I love talk, this you don't have to talk in dumb down no, situation, I, but I talk know. about why it's interesting to the music business and oh, this crypto is a great and blockchain.
2: This is fantastic. So for Korea specifically, let me say this. If you're a project out there, it doesn't matter if it's music or whatever, you have to be in Korea. Period. You need to spend I, time. When you go next, I might come with you. So I was actually <laughs> I'm there all the time. I will probably be there in a month. Okay, maybe less. Right, Shanghai we'll and
0: then Korea. Perfect. I'll come with you to Shanghai as well. That's okay. my hometown.
2: No, my second home. <laughs> um, I, I know five words in Korean, and they get me well, well, around just fine. So for us specifically, Korea, many people may not know this, is the number one mobile penetration market in the world. More people in Korea have phones and use them than any place in the world per capita. So for any app developer out there, that's like gold. The other thing the most of the population is concentrated around Seoul and Busan. So you can do marketing activities in Seoul and Busan and get millions and millions of Koreans in a tight area without having to go all over the place. And like in America, you know, fly six, you could do like some really cool targeted campaigns in those markets and get a ton of people in a short amount of time. Number three, Koreans love creating content and lip syncing in karaoke bars all over Korea and in Japan and in Asia for that matter. They love creating content on their phone. In fact, TikTok started off in Asia and Korea is a global music hub. I was just talking to one of the largest concert promoters in Dubai. I won't name who they are before I came here. And they're like, Eric, can you get us K-pop artists in Korea? I mean, in Dubai. I said, people here like it. They're like, there's a ton of people from Asia in, in Dubai and they want to hear K-pop. So K-pop is, 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 Globally it is globally recognized now as a, as a as a top music genre. So you have global mobile penetration You have people who are creating content on their phones using music You have a top, a top music market and what piece are we missing blockchain Koreans love cryptocurrency. They're buying all to- tokens today the ICOs were prevalent, they would still probably participate in those. There's a there's a, a certain economy now that is made up of blockchain. When you drive down, when you're by the COEX in, in in Seoul, there's like blockchain row. You see blockchain companies exchanges with their signs on their building. In America, these companies are underground hidden. In Korea, it's like, look at us, here's the blockchain companies. The government is heavily involved in policy. The government has a progressive stance on policy around cryptocurrencies and around blockchain and, and they're making initiatives to do so. There's literally almost a conference there every single week, re- there's, there's certainly meetups and events there almost every other day in Korea, educating the public about blockchain and cryptocurrency. Now, from what I was told from some of my Korean friends, the reason this is, is that Koreans and Asians in general are risk takers. They're gamblers. They like taking risks. Specifically in Korea, what I was told is many years ago, I guess Korea wasn't a bustling country or economy like it is now. Families were leveraging everything that they owned to invest into real estate. And there were some risk adverse families who didn't invest and didn't leverage their assets and their fortunes in real estate, meaning they didn't buy property and they kept money in the bank or or assets they didn't. They, you know, they just kept assets where they were. They didn't use it for real estate. And then there were the risk takers who used every dime that they can possibly do to buy real estate. And it was the risk takers from years ago that has created generational wealth for the kids today. So Koreans in general have a very risk taking, gamblers mentality, and that's why they. That's one of the reasons why I believe that they love cryptocurrency because to them they they just they love the thrill of it. Historically, it's been passed down from generations. And you know, the people that didn't take the chance back then in the real estate market, those are I don't I dare I don't want to say lower class. But those are the less, to, well, less well-off people than the uh, other other Koreans who took the chance. And I think they see cryptocurrency and blockchain as their next wave, their next chancing opportunity. Again, I'm not Korean. This was told to me by several mm-hmm. friends. I hope that didn't offend anyone. It was just told to me, and I'm just now conveying it to your audience. Yeah.
0: No, no. I've, I've got quite a few Korean friends and done a bit of business in Korea as well, seen the same thing. So yeah. Korea is
2: also, as you know, if you come with, it's also a relationship market. Yeah. yeah like in America, in, and I love the way they do it. in America, I give someone a business card, they, they barely look at the card, they throw it on the ground, they shove it in their pocket in the garbage can when I walk out. They're trying to get me in and out of a meeting in 15 minutes at most. And I gotta like beg to get a meeting. In Korea, you sit down with someone, you the first thing you do is you hand them the business card with two hands, yeah. you take it, you read it, you look at it, you put it in front of you when you're having a yeah. meeting. And that meeting is just a, a get-to-know-you kind of meeting. And then that meeting can lead to a lunch or dinner it could just go on all day because that person wants to know about you in a short amount of time to understand whether or not they want to be in business with you as a person first beyond what kind of money you can make them or opportunity because to them we, we can make a lot of money together but if you go rob a bank you know now you're reflecting me our business relationship together mm-hmm. so they need to trust that they're doing business and i really i really like that about about the way that koreans do do business um i actually noticed that not exactly similar in the in the uae kind of similar in japan but yeah. in the uae it seems like it's a it's a somewhat of an interpersonal i kind of know someone to, to get something done on here also yeah. in, in dubai call it um, wasta. what's that
1: Wasta. wasta.
0: yeah wasta. Is, that's the, when you that, have wasta, that means you have connection Kwan-shi. In Chinese. Let's create the Wasta coin. The yes. Wasta coin. Wasta coin. I, <laughs> wasta. I love it. That's a Chinese I term? Or no, no. no. Arab. Arabic. Arab. Guanshi is Chinese. I don't know the Korean one. Wasta? Yeah. All right. You guys just taught me something. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's millennials, music on blockchain, and Korea. I love it. <laughs> there you go. If oh, and, and, the, and the chickens as well. You we can't forget that. <laughs> chickens on the blockchain, the cock chain.
2: <laughs> oh, can I get away with saying that? You
1: can uh, probably keep it. It's an international yeah, problem. Yeah, it's it's an international problem. Come good. on. Yeah. Like so wh- what is what is next then? Other than these announcements that are coming out in the next couple of periods, <laughs> fill the blanks. Yeah. Um what is next? What is what is when these when these announcements come out, people are gonna move quickly to using Creator to scale it out, right? And to get more content on the platform that can be purchased and used.
2: Uh, absolutely. What's nice for us is always about executing on our marketing strategy and getting users on our platform to create content. Again, I don't want to talk everyone's ear off. So there's an artist named Lil Nas X, biggest song in America, actually biggest song in the history of the world. It beat Mariah Carey for having the most consistent weeks at number one, I think 20, 21 weeks. Lil Nas X Got the beat for that song, Old Town Road, off of one of our competitors' platform for $25. Got this beat for $25. He recorded Old Town Road in his own studio or house studio, and then he uploaded it to TikTok. And from there, the song took off. Columbia Records signed him. Like I said, 20-plus weeks at number one, beat Mariah Carey. What if all of that process can happen on one platform? And that's what we're providing. So you can get the beat on our platform. We have a social media component where you can upload the song to our platform. And we hope that the next Little Nas X has discovered off of that platform. And I'll say this that's coming very, very soon because there is an artist on our platform by the name of Jufu or Little Jufu who was about to sign his major label record deal. And he was curated and discovered off of our platform. And I'm really excited about that, about the potential that that signing and that Jufu is going through. He's a 19-year-old millennial, and that's gonna to bring to our platform. So that so for us, is right now, it's making sure that Jufu's career is, is, is headed in the right direction. First, he's gotta sign his record deal, which is coming, and then other user engagement strategies and partnerships that we're gonna be announcing and continue to travel the world and talk to people, find people like yourselves about what we're doing and hope that the audience buys in, either on the music side or, or on the blockchain side. It doesn't matter. Music is a universal language. It breaks down barriers. During times of recession and depression, it's like spending time with your significant other. I don't want to be politically correct here. Listening to music and uh, entertainment, those three things always seem to do well no matter what, what the climate is or no, or no matter what our differences may or may not be. Music has a way of breaking through those boundaries and we want to be the platform that bridges the gap between all of these different countries and all of these different religions and all these different languages to create content on our platform and open up and awaken everyone's inner musician.
0: Awesome. Final question before we close off. Bitcoin or Ethereum? If you had to save oh, one point. of them, oh okay, Bitcoin. That, that was easy. <laughs> all right, yeah,
2: that was that was. You know why? First of all, I love what Ethereum is doing. I love the Ethereum Foundation, and consensus, and Vitalik and his whole crew. I, they they obviously introduced smart contracts, which has the real real potential for the music industry anywhere there's contracts you need smart contracts I mean that, that, that's great and In music industry there's too many contracts and the lawyers make all the money but ethereum to me was something that people were using as an on ramp to invest into icos and now that that craze has kind of taken off I, I don't know who you know what the real purpose of holding on to ethereum would be until there's actually applications that you need ethereum to use on those on those platforms and right now I don't know if there's any real real applications out there where you absolutely need ethereum to operate on correct me if i'm wrong you guys you guys may know is there like a killer app right now that i need ethereum to use that i can't get anywhere else so until the, i mean is there i mean until that time happens then you know i think people will just use ethereum as an on-ramp but the problem is, is now there are companies that are or that are building off of other protocols so ethereum may not be as important as it was last year and there's other protocols now that that seem to show that that are seeming to show a lot of promise quite frankly, one of those new protocols may be uh, something we're announcing soon. Not that we're creating our own protocol, but we may be using a different protocol than Ethereum in the near future because of what we feel the advantage Given a this. very big hint, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one That's one hint. Bitcoin is is like the most, it's like the Nike, right? It's the most popular popular brand, brand out there right now. It's a store of value. I don't think it's really being used to what its intentions were. I mean, I don't think people thought it was going to be a store of value at first. Yeah. I thought it was the basically be used to pay for things. And quite frankly, you know, people aren't using Bitcoin to pay for things. They're holding on to it. So I think Bitcoin is definitely the long-term winner. All right. With that being said, I don't want to give any financial advice, but I'm sure you can make some (laughs) some gains in in Ethereum too if you know how to play the market. But quite frankly, I don't even know how to play the goddamn market, if you want to be honest with you. So there's some some powers that be that are controlling this market or someone's doing something because it, I don't know, it, it like defies... Economics, I think. I, I don't know. Supply and demand. I don't know. You guys <laughs> I don't want to get too deep here. We're not traders. Yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not a trader either. And I feel like I'm at a competitive disadvantage because Oh, it's okay. No, you don't need to be. Well, back then people were buying anything and it didn't matter. But now yeah. you, you kinda have to know. And the the way that I place place my bet, so to speak, or when I when I purchase tokens or invest in a company, I, I look at the founding team. I look at where their experiences are. Mm-hmm. I look at have they developed a product or, you know, do I think that they're capable of developing this product, which comes from where their experience comes from. But I also look at the investors, like who's behind the project. Do you have like real VCs behind you? Like VCs who typically invest into equity companies backing you? Who are those VCs? What other companies have they invested in? Because they help, it's like the diligence process, right? But if it's if it's 15, 15 kids who have a syndicate in, you know, Belarus or something, I'm like, you know, maybe
0: they might. I not. know that you spent a lot of time in Korea. Once he said that, I know exactly how much time he's <laughs>
2: on telegram <laughs> too much uh, yeah someone yeah. got me some alcohol <laughs> I'm passing out over here uh all right yeah i definitely right. to talk too much it's all good how can
0: people get in contact with you if they want
2: to um get in i'm very accessible on all of my social media channels eric Answerman on instagram that's e-r-i-k-a-n-s-w-e-r-m-a-n on instagram i think that's my twitter too but there's some bot that's taking over my twitter so i don't even post on my own twitter TuneToken.io is our website. Or if they're into music, creator app, uh, that's spelled with an eight. So C-R-E-8, are our websites. You can contact me from there. You can DM me. I, I respond to every single message. I'm on LinkedIn. If you're a professional, come on LinkedIn. If you're like when Lambo, kind of guy, don't contact me on LinkedIn. If you're a millennial. Millennials can definitely contact me. I'm signing millennials. I'm signing Millennials are who I need to sign, so. Awesome. you know someone's got to do all the work for him so that's what i'm here for you know right yep nick Nick, you should join us i mean i'm surprised he even spoke during the podcast that he didn't let you do it all for him and just put his name on it he needs to feel important so all millennials need to feel. we all need to feel important i think sometimes (laughs) right you're important to me no no comment no comment
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks a lot eric for for coming to the show Thanks thanks for having me really appreciate it thank you